I've told Rob this, but this is really one of the great honors of my ministry, which is getting on in years, uh, to be invited here this morning. Uh, I confess I was a bit anxious. Um, newspapers didn't help this week. Um, <laughs> hoping that the words that I offer, the thoughts that I share, the reflections on ministry would be helpful not only to Rob as he makes the start, but to the whole congregation here gathered as you begin this new chapter. But here we go, and here we are, and so let me calm any homiletic nerves that I have by resorting to cheap preacher's trick, which some of you all will recognize. It's been fine-tuned over years, I'm telling you. It's a trick you may know. Here's the trick. The scriptures before us this morning remind me of the passage I want to talk about. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Yes, yeah. Truth, truth be told, as I thought and prayed about this moment for this significant parish in a significant neighborhood at a significant time, I kept thinking about the story of King Solomon around the time of his celebration of new ministry. I believe it was on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock about 3,000 years ago. He had been named king, or in the Latin, rex, which I mention because the word, uh, the word rex has connection to the word rector. As an aside, uh, the internets indicate that the word rector suggests ruler, governor, director, guide, maybe even king. It's a term originally associated with Roman governors and gods, and I'll just say I have known my share of rectors <laughs> who, <laughs> who have taken that association and run with it to the despair of vestries and others. All I can say, rectors, including you, don't let this go to your head. <laughs> but do let it, do let it on this morning and in the mornings that follow prompt these questions. Rob, what kind of leader will you be? And what kind of leader and guide and spiritual coach does St. John's need right now and in days ahead on the heels of long and strong rectorships a distinctive tribute to the strength of this community. So back to Solomon, we catch him in prayer. He's been told by the Spirit, I want to get one of these requests. He was told by the Spirit he could ask for whatever he wanted as he started ministry, anything he wanted. It's one of those Aladdin's lamp kind of prayers, i.e. you can get whatever you wish for. He's a young man. He's faced with a new and significant vocation. He's thrust right into the middle of political power. Does that sound familiar? He could have prayed for all kinds of things, money or armies or death to his enemies or more pledging units. He didn't. He prayed for wisdom, a prayer marked by both vision and humility, which is maybe what we should all be looking for in leaders, vision and humility. Solomon knew that there were things he didn't know. He knew he needed help, and that teaches us a lot about leadership, and that prayer for wisdom is echoed in the reading from, from James, which we heard. Uh, its spirit is one I recognize in your new rector, who shows, I love that phrase in James, the gentleness born of wisdom. The gentleness born of wisdom. And it's a, a, a focus, really, of this service, this wisdom, a commodity in short supply in our world. 
So if you're wondering who the heck am I, I am and what I'm doing standing up here, I work for Forward Movement and I try to focus on the vitality of Episcopal congregations, identifying the principles that contribute to that, vi that vitality or not. And there are five of these principles that we've identified, but the central one has to do with what we call the heart of the leader. That is key. And the principle poses questions like this. Is the leader a learner working on his or her own spiritual journey, working on his or her own discipleship? Does he or she invite the congregation to be learners? Is that person in touch with the first love, the thing that got them into this work in the first place when we live in a world full of choices? Does that person exhibit both humility and vision or to channel Brene Brown, does that person exhibit vulnerability and transparency? Does that person care more about growing people's hearts, love of God and neighbor, or is that person focused on the numbers, pledging units, or people in the pews. I congratulate y'all because you have called someone with gentleness born of wisdom, someone who approaches this significant vocation with a big old heart, bringing humility and vision to this new chapter. You've called someone who not only recognizes and embraces with joy his call as a leader, but also sees a congregation loaded with possibility building on that strong history to be a leader in the church, in the city, a leader wise enough to call on the strength that God promises to provide. Now, I've known Rob since he showed up at St. Bartholomew's Church in New York, where I was working about two decades ago, and he showed up with this combination of a keen intellect and a warm personality, and here's some breaking news. Those things don't always go together in the clergy world. Just saying. <laughs> we share the joy and challenge of ministry in New York, and now we have in common the joy and challenge of ministry in D.C., as I spent a good number of years at St. Columbus up in A.U. Park. And I'll date myself um, by noting that I showed up to work there in D.C. the week the Anita Hill hearings were happening. And I was impressed. I learned a lot about what a faith community can be, can do, and be and drawing people together who were feeling pretty heated, pretty, pretty divided, to know how they could be together, a worshiping community in that time. Maybe this city finds itself in somewhat similar times. You know that the church and this church has a role to play in this city, filled not only with incredible talent and opportunity, but with challenge and deep, deep, spiritual hunger, a place that so needs the gospel, so needs the good news of God's grace, of unconditional love, a place that needs the Jesus movement, a place that needs the way of love. So Rob served with me at St. Bart's in New York. It was a joy to see him move through discernment to ordination to parish ministry. It gave me hope for the church, as does this gathering give me hope for the Diocese of Washington, which is led by one of my church heroes, Bishop Marianne. Uh, you all are blessed. After my work in New York, I went and served at a church in the North Shore of Chicago as their rector, and I tried, I tried, I tried to entice Rob and Sarah and Zoe uh, to move to Illinois. 
so that Rob and I could work together, he would have been perfect. <laughs> it would have been so much fun. He came to interview, I made the big mistake of showing him Lake Michigan, which I thought was stunningly beautiful, right? In his wisdom, he noticed that the waves were not quite big enough to push his surfboard. <laughs> Silly me. So for that and other reasons, he declined, and I've really worked through it, really, I have. Um, <laughs> I admit that I did not get my wish, but it was clearly the wish of the Holy Spirit for congregations that ser he served on the West Coast, a gift which just keeps on giving as the Holy Spirit leads him back to the, this coast with at, at least some access to surfable waves. So let me share one more mark of a vital congregation according to the research we do. Vital congregations do this. They pastor the community. They pastor the community. And in this leader, which you've chosen, beats the heart of a pastor. I was impressed with him upon first meeting when he said he'd signed up for extra time in what is known in the church as CPE, Clinical Pastoral Education, which is sort of, in my mind, pastoral boot camp. It's rugged. It's challenging. And I think all clergy have to do it, right? For at least a couple months, he signed up for a big old year to do this work. And I thought, this guy has a pastor's heart. But the heart of the pastor, pastoring the community, means more than showing up in a hospital room or praying with sick people. It means that, and Rob does that well with the gentleness, gentleness born of wisdom. But it also means pastoring the community means service to those in our communities in greatest need, and I know he has a vision for that happening here. It means advocacy for justice and peace in accordance with our baptismal covenant as we are called to respect the dignity of every human being. The city is hungry for that kind of promise. It means reaching out to people of other faith traditions. Rob did that in California. He can do that here. It means speaking truth to power. And you hardly need this sound system to speak truth to the most powerful offices in the world. In a town focused too often on building walls and stone walls, it means building bridges. In a city marked as the James reading says, by ambition and envy. It means sanctuary for those who seek God or a deeper knowledge of God. In a town, and I knew it well, marked by sharp elbows, it means offering grace and compassion. With God's help, Rob, you can lead to, uh, Rob can lead you to that place, but he knows and we know it will happen only with God's help and God's gracious activity. So the message of that beautiful psalm you heard chosen for this service matters as we lift our eyes to the hills from whence our help comes. And the words of Jesus matter as we eavesdrop on his conversation with disciples on the night before he died. He compares himself to a vine. Disciples as the fruit-bearing branches. He calls on those disciples, and I think he calls on you and me, to stay connected to him, to find their strength and nourishment in that vine. So with all that in mind, with the heart of a leader marked by vision and humility that knows our help is in the name of the Lord, let me offer two challenges. First for Rob. Rob, what will it mean for you as rector to abide in Jesus' power and to walk in the way of love? How will you, amid the demands of this work, stay rooted, connected, grounded, nourished in the liberating, life-giving love of God? 
How are you going to do that? And then a challenge for this congregation. What will it mean for you to support Rob in that journey, which you'll pledge to do in this service? I met this pastor at this huge non-denominational church uh, who told me that one of the ways he was sustained, especially when he was feeling overwhelmed and feeling down, was that some leaders in his church would periodically ask him, is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul? How might you support Rob in his spiritual health so that he can support you in yours? And as Rob has been challenged to abide in God's love, what will it mean for the people of St. John, John's to embrace the same challenge individually and collectively to abide in the love of God and to show that and to share that through love of one another, which is really what it means to bear fruit? What will it mean to build bridges? What will it mean for this place in this remarkable location to be a house of prayer for all people, Fox and MSNBC. May God grant the vision and humility to do that for Rob, for each other, for our denomination, for this city, for this big and beautiful and broken world. May God grant you, may God grant us, the gentleness born of wisdom, providing us courage for the facing of this hour. Amen.